man, what a Friday did we had. We had 14 more cards released. I'm talking like from the moment you woke up to the moment you went to bed, you might have missed something, which is crazy. It's fun. It's entertaining. It's nuts. But we did it. We got through it. And now we have 14 card breakdowns. We're going to get right on into it because there's way too much to cover and we need to get it done. Our first card is Megara pulling the strings. And this chick is awesome. I loved her uh, character from Hercules. I love the art, the little puppeteer thing. I mean, it's just wonderful, right? Like, what's there not to love about any of this? Let's talk about her. She is a two-cost, inkable, two-one, with one lore and the ability of Wonder Boy. What does Wonder Boy do? When you play this character, chosen character gets plus two strength this turn. That's pretty sweet. Can't really complain. Let's break her down. The strengths of Megara. Cheap and inkable, Wonder Boy has the potential to make good impact in the mid-game for off-curve terms. The weakness, of course, is one willpower leaves this very suspect to being banished outside of challenges, and with only one lore, she's also not threatening to the game very well. The opportunity, of course, is allowing for cheaper, costly characters to trade up unexpectedly while leaving you with the character still in play. Threats, Tinkerbell, and Hans, among other removal. While I think this card is really fun, um, and it definitely might have a place, currently we are at a lot of different choices uh, for you know the entirety of Emerald. And they're not all home runs, but they're all situational enough that they're probably all in some way or fashion going to see play, which I think is really cool and interesting of how many different things that you're actually going to find inside of ember decks or emerald decks um and this card is no slouch you know the ability to kind of play this on turn three or well yeah even on turn three or turn four or turn five and then follow it up with something else you know you're able to make your two cost one cost or three cost swing a little up the curve get a more valuable trade and then still have megara behind as at least a one more threat or a two power threat to try and set up some other trade later on all in all not a whole lot to talk about the character. I think she's situational. I think she will see some play. I don't think she's like an every deck deck. You know, like she's not an every card deck. So let's move on to the next one because we got lots. We have so many that we have to get through that like we got to get through it. <laughs> Elsa the Queen Regent is a four cost inkable character, four strength, four willpower, one lore, and she is blank with the wonderful flavor text of I never knew what I was capable of. The strength of Elsa is she's inkable. She has her strength and willpower are above average for most cards at the four cost. Her weaknesses, she's only one lore for the four cost. So, and you know, if she is a generic, she's only vanilla. She's not got anything else going on. So it is some things that you got to be weary of. Of course, the opportunity is up because she's a shiftable target for our big new winner of our new big new spirit of winner, Elsa, which we'll be talking about later on in this video. Don't worry. She's coming. She's coming. Uh, and of course, this Elsa kills every Hans. Uh, all of the four cost Hans, they all die to her. So what about the flavor there, guys? I mean, seriously, how much flavor is it that, like, this Elsa has the ability to kill any Hans? I love it. It's phenomenal. Uh, of course, the threats are Zeus and, in general, lack of impact on the most of the game. You know, she, again, she's a four cost thinkable. She only has one lore. If you're not shifting into her, she's pretty minuscule but she will probably get you some favorable trades and that's great uh at the very least when a zeus runs into her 
it just dies, so you kind of win that war at least. But we'll have to see what else happens. Next card, of course, is none other than Cusco, the Temperamental Emperor. Let's break them down. So Cusco's is a five-cost, uninkable emerald card, two willpower, four strength, and three lore. He has the keyword of ward, which of course means opponents can't choose this character except to challenge, and the ability of no touchy. When this character is challenged and banished, you may banish the challenging character. Uh, so for all intents and purposes, guys, this is just the larger chess side character, but it has power, which is great. You do have some strengths. So you can utilize that and leverage that when you have to. Uh, but it also has three lore and has ward. So having the ward is going to cause your opponents to find some other ways to get rid of this character. So let's walk into Let's walk through. The strength, of course, is having ward plus no touchy, plus three lore. All three of those things in one card has the potential to really take over a game if, specifically when you're ahead, when you're behind, his 2-4 body might not be good enough, and, you know, we'll have to see. The weakness, it's uninkable, it costs five, and has below average stats for a five cost. The opportunity, of course, is similar to Maleficent the Unthinkable. This character needs to be answered, or can simply take over the game. And this cannot be removed by single target removal. So at that point, you can only get rid of it through challenging or through uh, AOE effects, such as be prepared, among other things. The threats, of course, are Zeus, Beast, uh, may not be great when you're far when you're too far behind in board state. Yeah, like this isn't the kind of card that you're going to play and then like come back in the game with if you don't have any other ways to interact with the board. But what I do like about the character is that you can kind of line up your curve and emerald really, really well. And by doing that, you know, you can have a threatening three. You can have a threatening four. Honestly, you can even have to start at two. You can have a threatening two, three, four, and then five. And then on top of that, by the time they get to five, this card has ward. And then after that, you know, you have other cards that are really great. I can, you know, compounding the game as well as, you know, really being able to take you from mid to late all while controlling the board in a big way. So I, I have a lot to love about this. And I also have a lot to hate because it is a five cause. It is uninkable. Uh, it might be less impactful from other things that are going on in the game. It's not great at all when you're behind. So honestly, this card might be a straight up 50-50 card. There's games where this card is going to be absolutely remarkable. And there's probably also games where it's going to be terrible <laughs> so we'll just have to see how it goes let's get into the next one genie the ever impressive is a two cost inkable character two strength three willpower and one lore he's also vanilla nothing else going on here his strengths are that he's cheap and inkable he's a two three stat line trades well with most one and two uh along the way along with some three, uh, actually, as well. So this guy can trade up to certain characters, and they also can stick around against other characters and, like, at least be still in play. It's great. The weakness is generic do-nothing. No impact on the game. All of the other two costs in Emerald have some type of text on them that is, like, relevant to most board states and forces you to do things or allows you to be proactive um, and things like that. So this card being generic makes me feel that his playability is going to be pretty limited uh, all in all. 
The weakness, of course, is, or the opportunity, of course, is that he he out challenges your opponent early uh, for pushing more into the game. So because of his three three willpower, he has the ability to stick around, live through different attacks and different challenges, and just promote your board game that you're trying to get to on turn three and four and five. Uh, a little bit deeper if you're willing to sacrifice abilities on cards for sheer willpower to kind of outwit your opponent in challenges aggressively rather than, um, you know, defensively. So we'll have to see really if this card ends up being helpful there. Uh, of course, the threats, Rafiki, Smash, and do your best not to set yourself up for some Wombo combo with Tinkerbell. None of those things are great. Uh, honestly, all in all, I don't have much more to say about this card. Generic 2-3. It'll have its moment when it's necessary for three willpower characters on two. Aside from that, I think it's mostly mediocre and will likely be the least played uh, two cost in the Emerald Inc. So maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I am. Maybe there's a shiftable genie. That would definitely put this up. That's a bit of an opportunity cost also. We don't have that yet. So hey, anything is possible. Get into the next one. Abu, the mischievous monkey. Uh, I love this guy. I love Abu. He's one of my favorite characters in Disney. He's so much fun, so funny, always made me laugh as a kid. I'm definitely excited to see him in Disney Lorcana, but I also understand that, like, hey, maybe that's not enough and this card's not very good. But hey, let's break him down anyway, right? Uh, Abu, the mischievous monkey, is a three cost inkable character with three strength, two willpower, and two lore, and he's yet but another vanilla character. However, the flavor text on this one is pretty great. Someday, Abu, things are going to change. We'll be rich, live in a palace, and never have any problems at all. Of course, that was said by none other than Aladdin. Like this, storyborn ally, of course. Uh, let's just quickly go over this guy again because he's a little, you know, like, listen. Some of these cards don't do much, so we're just going gonna, gonna to get through them. We're going to get through them. Here we go. Here we go. Strength, two lore on a three cost, which is great. It is inkable. That's great. Weakness, two willpower for three on a non-evasive character, and it has no ability. Opportunity, scar. I mean, like, literally, guys, like, scar? Like, maybe? Probably not. Let's be real. Probably not. Uh, and then the threats are so, 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 so many things kill this guy. I don't really have anything else to add. He's not very good. Uh, I, I don't think we'll see much play, and we're going to move on to the next one. Simple enough. All right, so Scar, Shameless, Firebrand. Uh, I will shout this one out. Floodborne art is phenomenal, and this is also phenomenal. So, yeah, let's let's get into them. Scar, Shameless, Firebrand is an 8-cost, uninkable character, 6 strength, 6 willpower, 1 lore. That's right, 8-cost, 1 lore. <laughs> And he has the ability of Shift 6 and Rousing Speech, which is when you play this character, ready your characters with three costs or less. They can't quest for the rest of the turn. Um, So, like, that's cool and all, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Oof. This, one, oof. this one's rough, guys. I'm, just be I'm being honest. This one's rough. Scar Strand. He has Shift 6. On a 6-6. Six, six. So he can be a 6-6-6. Six, 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 sim, six, 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 similar to Krunk. Uh, keep this in mind that Krunk is too lore. The weakness, of course, is that he's uninkable. Krunk is inkable. And 
can never be played cheaper than six by itself. For eight cost, a six six and one lore is incredibly below curve. Like, like really, really below curve. Okay. Opportunity rousing speech could be efficient if we get more three costs that are worth untapping. And of course, the best thing that I can say that this guy can do is uh ironically sing the card that he's on yeah he can sing be prepared that's probably without a shadow of a doubt in my humble opinion the best thing that this card can do we'll talk about the threats the threats there is a very good chance this guy will is only ever an eight cost one lore character that's vanilla and that's about as bad as you can get i mean honestly guys i I can't think of a worse way to spend eight resources in the game right now than this character. I think this character is awful. I think it has nothing going for it. And unless we get an incredible amount of characters that are somehow are still in play, didn't die to anything else, and like you can get a secondary use out of them from not questing, maybe this guy ends up seeing play. But right now, I don't see it. I think he's bad. I don't understand his... Like, I don't understand anything at all he's trying to do except for being a really sweet Floodborne art that occasionally can literally exert just to sing be prepared. That's it. Card's bad. Moving on. John Silver, Alien Pirate, is a six-cost inkable character that is a... 5 Strength, 5 Willpower, and 2 Lore, with the ability of Pick Your Fights. When you play this character, and whenever he quests, chosen opposing character gains Reckless during their next turn. They can't quest, and must challenge if able. I want to add that he has 5 classifications, which is probably, without a doubt, the most by any character, with, and they are Storyborn, Villain, Alien, Pirate, and Captain. Uh, so I said on the stream the other day that I was hanging out on the round table for Hobbies and Games that this guy is Captain Classifications to me. Uh, and yeah, that's let's just hope that they end up doing something. So he'll be a great battery for it. That'd be awesome. So let's break him down. John Silver's strengths are he's inkable with an enter the battlefield and when he challenges ability and pick your fights two lore, and five classifications. The weakness, stats are under curve and forces a character to potentially attack into him. The opportunity here is this card is a high skill cap character. Pairs very well with additional removal and genie S effects. The threats, bigger endgame characters that don't mind challenging into him. Uh, in all honesty, I really like John Silver. I think he, when you start going over the entire theme of Emerald, he is the perfect embodiment of it. And he's right where you want to be to like double down on certain effects, like him paired with Mickey and him being like a backup, interesting card to protect other things or force really bad challenges from, you know, from opponents. Like I like a lot of the things that John Silver is doing. I think he's very unique. I think he's very cool. And at the end of the day, he's still threatening two lore character. I think he's great that you can, you know, really utilize certain characters, probably from other inks, that you can lure with them on turn 
you know, on turn five or on your turn six, you lure with them and then you play John Silver and force whatever the character they have to run into that, which is probably never a good trade. Um, we don't, we really haven't seen the entire extent, you know, of how good Reckless may or may not be. But this card really quickly will give us those answers before we know it because you're going to be giving everything Reckless every other turn or every turn, depending on how many times you end up wanting to challenge with him, if you have any other ways to protect him or additional ways to protect him. A lot of layers go into this guy. He's definitely, a, as I said, a high skill cap character to have to play. But when played correctly, this guy might truly dominate a board state and a game. Uh, I'm really looking forward to sleeving this one up and playing them. Let's get to the next one. Captain Hook, thinking a happy thought, is a five-cost, uninkable character with two strength, five willpower, one lore, and the abilities of Shift 3, Challenger 3, and Stolen Dust. Stolen Dust reads, characters with cost three or less can't challenge this character he is, of course, another wonderful Floodmourne art villain with Pirate and Captain as well. I, seriously, guys, I can't say it enough. The Floodmourne arts in this game are phenomenal, and this guy is great. I love what it's embodying. I cannot wait, like, I cannot wait to get the story behind Floodmourne's. I'm so excited for it. Let's break them down. Captain Hook's strengths are shipped potential. Five strength, five willpower for power for three costs. And stolen dust means that they have to find another way to finish this off. The weakness, of course, is an uninkable. It's uninkable, has one lore. It mostly needs to shift or just a, just a far worse character than many others. The opportunity, this is a 5-5 five five with rush that will banish anything on curve without evasive when you're able to shift on three. And on top of that, it presents enough ways to like also banish the next thing that it attacks uh and because it can't just be ran into immediately afterwards then you can actually just leave him untapped or yeah just leave him yeah leave him untapped and then all of a sudden you're just like all right well i just have a five five when i need it again and you don't really feel like you're missing out too much because his one lore is not that much incentive to 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 you know to use him that way the threats of course is he is uninkable again it makes you have to choose likely between fire the cannons and then hook the Jolly Roger. Simply not enough room for both of these sets of character cards. And what I really like about this is that this is just another layer to the game of Disney Larkana. Is that now even if you're a Captain Hook fan and you're just like this crazy Captain Hook fanboy. You have two different ways that you can really utilize the things that Captain Hook wants to do inside Disney Larkana. You're like, no, I want to be the fire the cannons Captain Hook. Like, no. I want to be the awesome challenger Captain Hooks. So I get to play the one cost and the five cost. And I can eat like all the cool things that they're doing. Just, just at that, a casual level alone is really fun and exciting. But it's also great for deck builders. It's There are 100% going to be metagames where the choice between these could definitely matter. So it's like, man, is it important for me to have a one cost character and the ability to shift into a five five? Or is it important for me to have a one-cost removal and the ability to recur it later on? Lots of options, lots of choices. It's all pretty exciting as from where I'm standing. So I'm excited for this guy. I think he's interesting. I do think right now, 
my bang for my buck, I do believe Cap the Captain Hook, Jolly Roger, and Fire the Cannons is a better combination. But I have no doubt in my mind that there will be a time at some point in the game where Captain Hook for one and Captain Hook Floodborne uh, for three to shift into will be a dominant play in the game. I, I just I can't not see that being a possibility. Let's get into the next card, guys. Jasper the Common Crook is a three-cost inkable character with two strength, four willpower, and one lore with the ability of puppy napping. Whenever this character quests, chosen opposing character can't quest during their next turn. Okay, so this guy is kind of, in a weird way, a mini John Silver. Doesn't give reckless, but says they can't quest which could effectively make things really useless. Um, this guy is really fun into cards like Han's uh, Scheming Villain or um, like Maleficent Unthinkable, you know, like any of these like cheap get this guy into play so I can lure early cards. Like this guy like just completely craps on them, which I kind of love. And the best part about it is both of those characters can't even run into this guy to banish him, which is also really fun. Nonetheless, let's get into it. Let's break them down. Jasper the Common Crook strengths. His average stats for his cost. Inkable, puppy napping, can be a powerful even in the late game. That's another big thing. The weakness, of course, is, is one lore. While his four willpower keeps him alive, his two strength prevents him from banishing like the most important things on the curve. The opportunity with four willpower, you may be able to get two uses out of this card early early or at the very least gain more card advantage from opponents over committing to get rid of them the threats zeus a shiftable tinkerbell and ironically his good boy horus which i do find kind of fitting because horus is just the muscle and he just gets to smack this guy around uh but hey that's that's all that's all fun and games right a uh, jasper fun card uh, i know everyone's a little upset that there's not like a direct connection to horus similar to like jetsam and flotsam is what it is. I think it's okay. I think this guy will definitely see some play. Again, this whole like Emerald being this ink that says you can't do what you want to do because I'm just going to say no over and over and over again is, is, is getting pretty mean, guys. There's a lot of these cards that do stuff like this, and it's, it's pretty mean. So let's get to the next card. Hey, guys, if you're enjoying the content, do me a favor. Hit me the like button for me right now in the video and comment. Let me know what your favorite card revealed of these 14 cards are i know we're only about halfway through got more to go but if any of these cards end up being your favorite card let me know why in the comments and let me know what you're looking forward to seeing left in the last 53 cards of the set that's all we have left let me know what you're hoping we get thanks for watching let's continue let's break down horace horace the no good scoundrel is a three cost inkable character four strength three willpower, and one lore. His strength, of course, he has above average stats on an inkable three-cost character. The weakness, he's vanilla, he's got one lore. The opportunity here, this, this trades with almost everything on curve. It also removes any of the four willpower cost cards in general or prevents them from free questing. And it's also a great, again, he's also great against several shift targets. The threats, smash. If you can't find a good use early 
uh, an early shifting Tinkerbell may remove this card without it ever doing anything. So while I like, I actually think I like Horus probably more than most people, but I look at Horus as kind of a, a diff, like he's a, he, he's, he stands out in the emerald color to me. A lot of the emerald characters are low strength, high willpower, wonky effect that affects the game. And Horus is just like, nope, I'm brute force. I'm coming into play and I'm going to banish pretty much everything that I can't even think of. Like anything that's, that's been played early, I'm going to get rid of you. Anything that gets played on turn four, I'm get rid of you. He can even get rid of some five drops in all honesty. So this card definitely has a place, I think. And because it's inkable and the incredible amount of uninkables that are already in Emerald, he might honestly find his way into decks just for those things alone because they don't have a lot of one-for-one -one card advantage. So if you can get a one-for-one -one trade out of this card guaranteed or at least force them to run into him, it's fine. Like, four strength is very hard to come by at a three-cost character. That's also inkable. I'm just saying we might be overlooking this guy just a little bit. Let's break the next one down. Okay, so our next one is personally, and I know I keep saying, I know, I know I've said this a bunch, guys, but seriously, have you seen this art? I mean, just, oh, and I know like we've seen it on uh, the sleeves or the binder or wherever it was and like, you know, in their model kit for things they're selling. I think maybe it's a deck box. It is gorgeous. And I mean, gorgeous art. And I am so excited for this character. Let's bring, oh my God, let's break her down. Elsa, the Spirit of Winter, is an eight-cost inkable character. Sorry, she's an eight-cost uninkable character with four strength, six willpower, three lore, shift six, and the ability of deep freeze. When you play this character, exert up to two chosen characters this they can't ready at the start of their next turn and because we have to go through the whole card her flavor text is ice is stronger than you may think um i mean whew, guys like when when this card dropped on friday during the q a i got so excited because we knew it was coming we knew it was in the set we were just waiting for it to be revealed and I do not think that Elsa, Spirit of Winter, is a letdown. She may be the best legendary. Maybe. There's some really good ones. I think people are really, really overlooking some of the legendaries. I, don't get me wrong. Like, BLT Mickey is good. Maleficent is good. Rapunzel is maybe one of the most overlooked cards in the set. But, like, Elsa is really solid. Uh, and not to mention, because of a collector value reason, the foil version of this card, I, I'm, I'm telling you guys right now, I can guarantee you it's probably going to be over $200. So, like, if you're the kind of person, like, man, I really want to get foil this card, just understand right now that it's likely a couple hundred dollar bills. Let's break her down. Elsa Spirit of Winter's Strength. Shiftable with incredible ability and three lore. The weakness, she's uninkable. Her strength and willpower are low for her cost. However, the opportunity is... Your challenge stats don't really matter when your opponent can't untap for several turns. Shifting this, she shifting when you shift into this character, what it will mean 
is that she will almost always be guaranteed six lore. And the threats, uh, single target removal characters with ward are obviously very good against her. Um, yeah, like, I, she has to stay on the screen because I, I just got to keep looking at her. But seriously, this is the ultimate endgame control card. Like, the ultimate. Like, she's so good. She's so powerful. Uh, the ability to just flat out come in and shift, lock down two things out of the game. Oh, and by the way, the rules, just so we're clear, if you were to target something that was already exerted, right, they still don't untap. It doesn't have to exert the character for the second ability to activate. So it, she can choose characters that are already exerted. So don't worry about those things. This card does so much. Uh, the opportunity for a six lore shiftable character on six that locks out two of your opponent's things from the game is 100% a game-changing play. And it's going to warrant an incredible amount uh, of like ways to come back. This character is going to have to be answered with single target removal, or your opponent is going to be forced into... AOing the board like be prepared or something like that. Because if they don't, this card might flat run around, you know, run away with the game, which is really, really phenomenal. Um, and there's so much synergy outside of it. I'm like, you know, Ana is not a particularly phenomenal card, but when you look at the ability of tapping a character down for tapping two different cards down for a turn and then following up with another Ana to maybe tapping them down again, it could just take out some of the best cards in the game for literally like three or four turns uh, when it all adds up, which is insanity. So love Elsa without a doubt, my favorite card revealed from today. Uh, this card's phenomenal, but we got more. Let's get into it. Elsa, the ice surfer. Uh, this one's cool, really unexpected, but Hey, let's break her down. Elsa, the ice surfer is a four cost three, four, one lore Ruby. Ruby Elsa, with the ability of That's No Blizzard, whenever you play a character named Anna, ready this character, this character can't quest for the rest of this turn. Um, I love the flavor and the synergy and the evergreen effect of this. I just really am bummed that she can't quest again. Like With her only having one lore, I don't think it would have been the end of the world if you could have just, you know, found a way to wombo combo this and play like several else's in a turn. I look at it the same way I would look at Ariel Holset Collector, and she doesn't have that text on her. And there's probably going to be way less Anna's in the evergreen of this game than items. So I don't really understand why we got the this can't quest. Really a bummer, honestly. Um, if if it didn't have that text, this card would be obviously way better. But because it does, it just kind of bums me out more than anything. <laughs> just being honest, I just wanted a bunch of good Elsa's, guys. I'm a frozen nerd. If you ever been on the, never been here before, never watched any of my videos, the the name of the podcast is Into the Unknown for a reason. Check it out. Five episodes so far, a lot of fun. More live coming this week, Tuesday night. But seriously, uh, hit that subscribe button if you want to watch. Um, we will be there Tuesday night, eight thirty ish. I promise. But seriously. Uh, I just want good Elsa's. That's all it is, guys. That's all it is. I just want good Elsa's. Let's break her down. Elsa the Ice Surfer strengths. She's inkable. She's a potential shift target. Uh, that's no blizzard. Could create a nice swing turn early. The three strength does have the ability for payoff of 
you know, removing two characters from the board on a turn or questing for one and then running into a character and things like that. So there is some potential there. Uh, the weakness, of course, is three strength on curve is low for a four cost character. And of course, one lore is always just a bummer. She does need Ana to she does need Ana for the ability to be relevant. Um, so that's a big bummer, too. <laughs> the opportunity, a four willpower, a four willpower character that you can protect to make the big shift turn early to take over a game. The threats, of course, a single target removal, Zeus, and Horus, as I just mentioned earlier. Uh, so again, gotta leave Elsa on the screen. The card has a lot of interesting upside with just like really weird fringe payoffs. Um, I love the ability that you can untap her after you were to quest or after you were to challenge. So this does give her the ability to be a little bit more protective, to have another nice way to shift into her, like on turns six. Um, so I look at this, you play this on turn five, you quest with it, you play an Ana. Let's hope we get another Ana, let's be honest. But then you play your Ana, you untap it. So now on six, you're not worried about this card being removed by any of the things I mentioned earlier, by Zeus, by Horus. Um, they have to basically go, okay, well, like I have to single target remove this or it's going to shift and take over the game. Of course, the other thing is they can just let you shift, take over the game, gain three lore, and then removal that. But when they do that, at least you're gaining three lore out of the deal and you still get to tap stuff down for a couple of turns. So it's going to be a nice little cat and mouse game. The shift characters in general, like the Tinkerbell is always just threatening giant fairy which I love, and Stitch is kind of the same thing. Stitch is always threatening Rockstar Stitch. Um, there's a real nice cat and mouse to the game when you talk about these shifting characters, and I really like that. I really enjoy that. And this is another one that, because it has the ability of that's no Blizzard and it can untap, it's only adding to the cat and mouse game of what a shift character can do and if you're going to be able to get Elsa into play faster and be able to start swinging for those three lore and tapping stuff down. All in all, I actually like this card. I think it's I think it's definitely playable. I think it's a reasonable card to play in Ruby Amethyst builds. I don't know if we're playing it unless we're playing Amethyst, though. Um, so I do think it's a fringe playable card in the Elsa shiftable control deck. I don't know if you're playing this card in, like, any other deck that doesn't have Elsa and you're definitely not playing it in any other deck that doesn't have Ana. So <laughs> it's a bit of a niche, but it's niche does have an upside and I do like it a bunch. Let's get to the next one. Tinkerbell Peter Pan's ally is a five cost uninkable character with three strength, three willpower, two lore and the abilities of evasive along with loyal and devoted. And that what Loyal and Devoted does is your characters named Peter Pan gain Challenger 1. So I really like this, in all honesty. Um, I like the evergreen fashion of the card again. Uh, the overall card is, we're going to break her down in a moment here, but I do, I love how we keep seeing this evergreen content in set one. We never, ever will know how many Peter Pans we're going to get, how many Elsa and Anna's we're going to get, like, you know, how many uh, shiftable characters we're getting. All these crazy things that are very possible right now is that you just never know. So whenever you see a an Anthem effect like this, like Jetsam and Flotsam, then you get to see a potential of, man, this this might get better later on, which, which is cool because it means I have a reason to like look at my old cards and see if there's 
new synergies and new strategies. So that's what I really like about this Tinkerbell. But aside from that, yeah, let's break her down. Tinkerbell, Peter Pan's ally, strengths. It's evasive with two lore, so that's nothing to slouch about. Its weakness, of course, is the five cost, uninkable with very, very low stats. The opportunity is the evergreen Peter Pan synergy. The threats, Smash, Flotsam, with the Jetsam, uh, Goofy, Tigger, and even, ironically, guys, ironically, even Peter Pan kills this Tinkerbell. Just saying, guys, it could happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> uh, I think it's cool that she's an evergreen character and we'll always have a reason to look at her, but five costs for an uninkable 3-3. Uh, three, three, eh. There's a lot of really good un uninkable cards in Amethyst and in Amber and in Ruby and like all these things that I would really can see us being paired right now or even uh, Emerald, like all of the things that I would want to pair um, my Amethyst stuff also has really good uninkables and I find it really hard to believe that I'm going to make room for this character. Specifically with like most of the things I just mentioned, her Peter Pan ability won't even matter. Like I don't, I don't care about that ability at all right now. I think it's mostly irrelevant unless we get another Peter Pan that like really wants it or something. I don't know, but right now in Chapter One alone, we're very unimpressed. Don't think the card is very good, and I don't think it's going to see any play. Let's get it. One more card. All right. So the last card of the video, right? This is it. This is all big. This is what we're talking about here, but. Before we get there, let me talk about how cool this was, all right? If you guys didn't see it, if you don't know about it, if you didn't hear about it, this card was spoiled live on stream on Friday night. We were on stream together. We were doing a roundtable on Hobbies and Games channel. It was a, literally, well, it was at, that, at the point of the end of the stream, there was only eight of us on the stream to do it, but it was so much fun. Rochelle was hanging out in chat all night. It was so kind. And she gave Dan, the host of the roundtable, this in his DMs. And we were able to all release and spoil this card for the community together. A team of content creators. It was so much fun. It was so cool to be a part of that experience. And I was so happy to be there and enjoy that with everyone. And it was, it was a great time. It was a lot of fun. He does them on Friday nights at 9.30 or 8.30 CST. Uh, he, there won't be any for the next couple weeks because of Jen Connie's on vacation, but like be on the lookout for these, because as we just showed anything can happen, anyone can show up. I literally tweeted it. I'll probably put it up on screen. I tweeted like, Hey, come hang out on the stream. You never know who's going to show up. I had no idea going into that night that we were going to get to spoil a card, but it was awesome. It was so much fun. Let's break down Jafar. Jafar keeper of secrets is a four cost inkable character, zero strength, five willpower, and two lore with the ability Hidden Wonders. This character gets plus one attack or plus one strength for each card in your hand. And guys, I know you can look at this card and be like, oh my God, it has zero willpower. Oh my God, I never have cards in my hand. How am I ever going to get away with this? This is crazy. Well, let me tell you a little story. Uh, there's a card called Maleficent, replaces herself. And then normally, after you replace her, you play friends with benefits, and that's a plus two. And then you play this guy, and if all goes well, um, if I'm being honest, he's probably a 5-5 five five on turn four. Maybe more. So the Jafar Keeper of Secrets strengths 
inkable five wheel power is well above curve and its strength has a lot of potential for great trades. The weakness late in the game could have zero attack if you're not going as planned. Opportunity, Rapunzel, Friends, Necklace. The list of card advantage is long and many to get to the most out of the ability of Hidden Wonders. The threats, single target removal. If discard ends up being a thing, this will get much, much worse. The Hidden Wonders is really great card. Uh, it's a really great ability. It's really fun. It has a lot of synergy with so many good cards. My personal favorite is this plus Rapunzel. Rapunzel is ridiculous to begin with. I don't think anyone's talking about her enough. But the idea that you're just like, oh yeah, this Jafar is probably like a five or a six cost character and that's cool. That's whatever. Who really, you know, or, or, you know, his, his strength is whatever. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Well, what's a big deal is that like when he is a gigantic character and he has a gigantic, like a gigantic strength and he goes, challenge that guy, kill him, uh, banish him. And then I'll take three back. And then you're like, I play Rapunzel and then I heal him for three. Oh, and I draw three cards. So his strength is actually higher now. So the next thing that runs into it is 100% dying. And he still has five willpower. This card is awesome. It is so good. Uh, and now we don't even need to talk about weird combos with like a whole new world. Like, yeah, you can do that. That does that. I don't care about that. Like we don't even, we're not even, we're not even thinking about playing this with steel. We're thinking about this with amethyst and all uh, with amber and all the cool shenanigans that you can get away with with amber in this guy but man uh seriously i'm gonna put it up full screen one more time the art on this card is incredible um it is one of my favorite dream boards for sure i love everything about it i think it was so 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 very cool to get to reveal this as a team with everybody on that stream it was so cool it was so much fun um Anybody that was there had a blast. We were all super excited. Uh, all in all, you know, this was a lot of fun. We broke down 14 cards in this video. If you haven't, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Let me know in the comments which of these 14 cards was your favorite. And I'm telling you, if this wasn't enough for you, I did 14 more cards in this video. It's been a crazy week. It's going to be even more crazier. Be on the lookout for everything. And I got I got some secrets, guys. I put out a tweet early yesterday asking about the content creator's favorite. That's right. Content creator's favorite inks in the game. What am I going to do with that? You're going to have to stay and find out. If you want to watch, if you want to know, hit that subscribe button. I will catch you guys in the next video. See ya.